This interview was recorded on June 4th, 2020. Hi, I'm Len Epp from LeanPub, and in this episode of the Front Matter Podcast, I'll be interviewing Jürgen Boos. Based in Heidelberg, Jürgen is president and CEO of the Frankfurt Book Fair, the world's largest book fair with a tradition going back to the 15th century, or even as far back as nearly a thousand years, depending on how you look at it. The Frankfurter Buchmesse attracts hundreds of thousands of people per year and plays a pivotal role in the global publishing industry in countless ways every industry insider can tell you about. In addition to the many responsibilities he holds with respect to countless book industry and conference constituencies, by virtue of his role with the book fair going back to 2005, Jürgen is also a member of the scientific committee of the Sheikh Zayed Book Award, a very prestigious cultural award organization in the Arab world, and one of the world's best-funded cultural prizes. In this interview, we're going to talk a little bit about Jürgen's personal and professional background, just to set the stage as we usually do, but we're going to devote most of our discussion to the Sheikh Zayed Book Award itself, and talk about its purpose and the role it plays in culture and literature in the Arab world and beyond. I always like to start these interviews by asking people for their origin story. So Jürgen, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you first became involved in the book publishing industry, which you've been a part of for, I gather, over 35 years now. Actually, uh, it's even more than 35 years that I started uh, working with books. Uh, Finishing high school, I grew up in a little village next to Basel in Switzerland. Uh, And my uncle uh, had uh, two bookstores. So there was always a connection with the book business. And I was interested in becoming an editor. So I did an apprenticeship for two years in a publishing house, but then got a degree in business administration uh, on a business school and uh, worked all my life in publishing, worked for literary publishing houses. But I think uh, what was very important uh, for me was working for STM, Scientific Technical Medical Publishing, for more than 50 years. uh, 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 Springer Nature, and later on with John Wiley and Sons, an uh, American STM publisher. And uh, yeah, 2005, I got asked whether I would like to head the book fair, and I thought this is really something new. I still would be in the publishing community, uh, would see my friends, yeah, would work with books, but still, uh, Frankfurt does have um, a huge cultural impact and does have a huge political impact as well. This combination out of this. Uh, actually was quite attractive for me. And now it's lasting for 15 years already. And um, uh, there was a lot in, the, in another podcast. We would talk uh, about um, how uh, the Frankfurt Book Fair is uh, handling, I think, a very, uh, just from my outsider's perspective, very well, uh, the many uh, complications of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about the Sheikh Zayed Book Award. And I can point people in the transcription. I'll point people uh, with a link to a, a really great interview that you did recently talking about some of the challenges uh, with respect to the Frankfurt Book Fair. But when did you become involved with the Sheikh Zayed Book Award? This also dates back uh, quite some quite some time. I was always traveling in the Middle East and was fascinated by the Middle East. Uh, in 2007, I went for the first time um, to talk to the then uh, cultural authority about their book fair. Yeah, We also work as a consultancy for many years. And uh, so we have many roles, not only organizing the Frankfurt Book Fair, but we also are like a German cultural institution. So we promote uh, German culture abroad, especially literature. But we're also a consultancy. So I went 2007 to Abu Dhabi and actually became friends uh, 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 with the then general director of the Cultural Authority. And um, so we always stayed in, in close contact. And I was very much interested always in the Sheikh Said Award, since uh, it's a very special award. Yeah, It's not only focusing on, on literature, 
but is focusing also on many other aspects of culture, like uh, cultural personality of the year, but it's also focusing on the publishing industry. It's focusing on translations, it's children books. So I think it's it's uh, one kind of uh, uh, a cultural award which doesn't exist somewhere else. Yeah, it's it's a really fascinating award. Uh, uh, I did a fair amount of research looking into it, and I just wanted to ask you generally. So, um, can you talk a little bit about the origins of the award and what its what its higher level purpose is? Yeah, actually, it's um, the name comes from obviously the late Sheikh Syed, who was the important uh, person the leading figure uh, in the Middle East and in, in the United Arab Emirates. Yeah, and uh, actually the founding father, father of uh, United Arab Emirates. So he was very, very instrumental. And for him uh, himself, education was so important, yeah, to uh, train his people. Also coming from a humble background, uh, he put all the emphasis on culture and education. And so this award is uh, uh, there to praise uh, the late Sheikh Syed on the one hand, but actually on the other hand as well, to promote uh, Arabic literature and culture abroad. Because I think uh, Arabic uh, literature doesn't travel too easily. There are very few translations. And um, for the understanding of the Arabic culture, uh, I think it's very important that you have access to what is published, what gets written. Yeah, uh, to all all different ways of Arabic culture. It's really it's a really interesting question. Um, why do you think that uh, Arabic literature doesn't have more of a purchase on people's imaginations in the West? I mean, there are some obvious examples that one can think of, but generally speaking, you know, I think a lot of people, even people who read a lot from all around the world, might have a bit of a blind spot uh, in the West with respect to Arabic literature. Do you think there's a is there a, is there a reason for that? Yeah, one reason I just mentioned, there are very few translations uh, on the one hand. The publishing industry always uh, suffered uh, in the Middle East. Yeah, So it was mostly about educational or um, a spiritual literature. So there wasn't much of a, on a focus on like um, even uh, training the children to read. This only came up uh, in the past 20, 25 years. So actually, um, on the one hand, it's the interest of the West. Yeah. We are following the tradition of the Enlightenment, which is a completely different tradition. Yeah, and um, so this made it very difficult for us and the interest of the international publishing houses in translating Arabic literature was always very difficult. And on the other hand, uh, reading promotion is, is so important to the, to the Middle East, to the Arab world, but a lot of things still have to be done. And is there something specific about the language that maybe makes it difficult to translate into uh... It's, let's say like um uh, let's say English or German. I think it's not the language itself. It's uh, actually people learning the language, so they can be translators. So there are not many institutes who teach you how to translate from Arabic in a literary uh, a way uh, into other languages. And actually, also that a lot of titles then because uh, get translated from Arabic into English and then from English into other languages, and this doesn't help the quality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at a, uh, just going up to the view from sort of 30,000 feet, I mean, you talk about how, you know, partly the award is part of a larger um, cultural effort in the Arab world about literacy and things like that and promoting the culture. But uh, one thing I think that a lot of people maybe don't quite understand is the, the, the literary award or prize or even competition goes back 
a couple of thousand years, at least in the Western tradition, you know, going back, you can think about Euripides and things like that. Can you talk a little bit generally about the sort of profound role that prizes like this can play in advancing a, a, a country or even a, a person uh, as a cultural figure? Yeah, I think uh, the Sheikh Said Award does this on many levels. One level is actually um, uh, an academic level, yeah, to interest people, uh, actually to to uh, deal with Arabic culture, to dig deep into Arabic culture and work on a, on a, a translation process uh, for the scientific community all over the world. But this, is, I think, is one way. The other one that we mentioned before, it's about reading promotion and actually about quality of children books, yeah, to raise awareness how important children's and young adult books are, and to bring children uh, to read. So this is very, very, very important on the on another level. Young authors, yeah, we have to encourage young authors to start writing, yeah, and help them to get a stage. And then again, we have the translation award. I think everything, the combination of all these awards together, are there to to put. Uh, um, the development uh, uh, of a person in, into the middle by reading, by exchange, by getting new ideas, by, by um, uh, strength and creativity. Uh, all of this you can find in the Sheikh Zahid Award. And um, so you're, you're on the scientific committee of the award. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, about what work you do specifically on, on that committee. Actually, we're working very closely uh, uh, with editors who go uh, who suggest certain titles because there are too way too many nominations. Yeah, so we could uh, actually um, so we have a pre-selection process, and then the members of the scientific committee uh, would go very deep into um, these um, suggested titles. Yeah, on all levels, and and it's a very very strong discussion always. It's very challenging, yeah, because everybody has its own favorites, and we are fighting for this. I once had this um, very interesting or funny situation that we talked about a translation of the German philosopher Martin Heidegger into Arabic, and uh, actually they made me read it in German, and then they reread it in Arabic to see how the melody of Heidegger would still be there in the translation. So we really go deep into details, yeah. And having uh, the other members are coming also uh, from a quite an academic background, but uh, being based from from Paris uh, um, to to some places to our, um, to Egypt, so to, from many different places. So it's it's for me it's always um, uh, I learn so much from my colleagues, yeah, and I'm very happy and honored to be on this committee. It's interesting. I was I was laughing a little bit along with Jurgen when you talked about translating Heidegger. Um, I read Being in Time way back when I was nineteen, I think, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there are so many words that um, you just keep using in German, like two hand and height and forehand and height and things like that, because to translate them into English is just kind of pointless. It's just you know, it's just a, you have to understand the term in the rich context that it's in. But that it just, I mean, I'm really glad you brought up that Heidegger as an example because it's one of those. One of those people, I mean, what's the old joke that you read, Kant, Germans read Kant in English in order to understand him? Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but translation is just this wonderful challenge for all languages. And there's, there's philosophy uh, that can be particularly challenging and also poetry. Yeah, poetry plays a really a, a very important role in Arabic culture forever. It was mostly an oral culture and there the poetry uh, uh, focus came from. Yeah, I, I remember also a TV show, uh, which was always very fascinating to me in the United Arab Emirates called The Million Dollar Poet. 
yeah, where actually where we have supermodel contests and they have poetry contests. And I think this is very special and I admire that a lot. But coming back to Heidegger, I'm always sort of fascinated by the translation of the sign is the sign, the being is a being. Yeah. So what you said before, it's so difficult. And especially this is we're still staying in Western culture. Now translate Arabic culture into other language. Yeah. This has a completely different dimension. And though the award uh, and the work uh, of the judges, it's so important. Um, and actually, speaking of the judges, I wanted to ask you about that. So about a decade ago, I was a co-founder of something called the Montreal International Poetry Prize. Uh, yeah. We gave away a $50,000 prize for a single poem, but it also the project had two sides. It also entailed the creation of a global poetry anthology of previously unpublished poems. So we had jurors from editors, as we call them mostly, because from all around the world. How do you go about selecting a jury for a prize? That's a good question, yeah. <laughs> I think you're looking into experts and, and you want to have uh, experts from different sectors. So my background office is publishing and some of the other uh, members of the scientific committee do have an academic background. But there's also, uh, um, uh, 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 most of them are authors as well. Yeah, there's Mohamed Ben, he's quite a famous poet as well on, on, on the scientific committee. So uh, this is nice. It's a mixture of people, yeah, because you don't want to think uh, only uh, unidirectional, yeah. And you need to think from from many different perspectives. And me not being able to read uh, Arabic anyway, so the interaction between the judges it's so important to me between the uh, people members of the scientific committee, because they have to help me understand. And I think this brings in another quality, yeah. They have to convince me not being able able to read some of the titles, yeah. I can read the titles which are translated from other languages in Arabic. Yeah, I can deal with uh, uh, children books for very young children. Yeah, I can deal with the cultural personality, but original Arab texts I cannot read. So they have to convince me that this is a good text. Yeah, this I think is a strong quality of the Sheikh Zayed Award. And does the uh, jury select? Does the jury change? Does it sort of like initial level of people who would get have the sort of works submitted to them, does that change year by year? Yeah, there are, uh, people are leaving, people are joining. I think I'm, I'm one of the longest standing uh, members of the scientific committee. I think I'm around for about 10 years now, but some of people are leaving after two, three years and others coming in. Yeah, so sometimes it's a bit growing, there are new members. And also this makes it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, I wanted to ask you something about um, objectivity, um, which is something that you know. Ob obviously, with respect to things like this, like you know, when I ran, when I sort of ran my my prize years ago, we could actually keep things anonymous because they were single poems. I think the limit, the line limit, was like fifty lines or something like that. So mm -hmm. things could be anonymous if you really knew someone's work. You could, you might be able to guess at who wrote it. But with prizes like this, I mean, you know, everyone knows who wrote it. There's no, there's no doubt about about that. You know, it's not. It's submissions are not anonymous. Um, and so, is there anything that the prize does to um, maintain transparency and and uh, its objectivity and its and its discussions of of who should win? Yeah, actually, so we do have um, uh, besides uh, the scientific committee. Uh, I think there are two judges, and there are always uh, at least two um, judges uh, who would um, dig into one title, and they have to agree. Yeah, and we're going through all these judgments again, so it's a two-level process. Yeah, so you have first uh, a pre-selection by these judges from all over the world, which come from different nationalities and different languages. 
there might be Italian, there might be uh, American, they can come from all over. But I think this is part of the quality of the selection process. And the other one actually is a scientific committee, which can always go back to the judges and ask them about their opinion. Yeah, so it's a, a back and forth process. And we take, uh, it takes quite some time. Yeah, I'm spending uh, several, uh, at least every time I, I go for a meeting, we spend two, three days together. Yeah, and this happens uh, several times a year. Um, and again, um, what is quite interesting uh, that the Sheikh Sadawood people do organize uh, seminars all over the world, whether it could be at the University of Oxford, this could be in Rome, New York. Yeah, we had a very good at at, um, at the public library in in New York recently two years ago. Um, there was a huge interest by publishers and academics actually to understand the award and and to meet some of the winners. So it's also I think uh, that everything is public. I think is a guarantee for the quality of the Sheikh Sound Award. And uh, in in all the years you've been involved, have you seen increased interest and awareness of, uh, in, like, in the international community of recognition of Arabic literature and culture? Yeah, actually, we see more translations because part of it is also translation funding. Yeah, so you need to convince people from the quality, but that also does help a lot if the, you can support the translation. Yeah, and this happens uh, every year in in different languages, and uh, I personally do believe because I'm. Also here in Germany, uh, working with a with a company or an, a not-for-profit organization called Litprom Society, promote the literature from Arab Africa and the Middle East. Yeah, and and this uh, and we offer translation funds or translations from these languages into German. Yeah, and now it's the other way around. And actually, we have to do a lot more on this translation in this translation sectors. So translators can survive on the one hand and actually make these titles accessible. And think of Africa. Yeah, what is translated from original African languages? Very, very little. Yeah, it's a uh, speaking of you know making a living and surviving. I mean, the work of translation is incredibly difficult. Um, uh, it necessarily involves an understanding of two languages and two cultures at least uh, when you do it, uh, and it's arduous and not often well well paid. And so one of the roles that prizes like this play is not only drawing attention to the work the works that have been translated but also just providing some funds to the to the translators and you know it's it's you know the the amount can be quite high for a big award but often the the author or the translator has been working in obscurity for years before, before yeah. they receive something like that and it can really it can really make a big just material difference in their life and in the work they can do going forward yeah also um we once awarded um um, um, scientific publishing house called Grill, which is focusing on, on Middle Eastern studies. And they use this money actually to publish more titles, to promote young authors. And that's the idea behind it. Yeah? Not to put the money in your pocket, but actually uh, help uh, uh, the community. And there's very little in, in, in this field. Yeah, If you think what kind of magazines, what kind of websites, what, what kind of podcasts to really deal with Arabic literature. So there are a lot of things uh, which have to be done, yeah. And it's it's it gets even more important now. We are getting back somewhere in the nature of nationalism, yeah, and building up uh, even cultural borders. Uh, with what is happening now all around the world? It's a it's a really disastrous situation. And literature might help a little bit to bring down these borders. Translations might help a bit. 
Yeah, well, we could we could probably talk about that that at length. Um, is uh, is promoting a kind of I'm going to say sort of international view of culture, something that's very important to the prize that that, that sort of actively contesting the forces of of nationalism. Yes, I believe that's one objective of this award. Actually, it's an objective of culture anyway, because um, an open society can uh, can deal with culture, uh, a, a society in where you have censorship, yeah, where, where people are not encouraged to to work on their creativity, yeah, will also turn will always turn into a totalitarian system. So actually, um, the Sheikh Saeed Award is all also there to promote a liberal society. And especially in the Middle East, there's still a long way to go. Yeah, so it's a one step in into the right direction. Any uh, again? Yeah, and and for those who might not know, actually, uh, Abu Dhabi is itself uh, has has a, a really big international book fair that happens every year that I I would see as being part of this wider cultural project of bringing yeah, the world in and, uh, and sending. Important, uh, and and they do have uh, literature festivals. Yeah. And I would love to encourage uh, our friends in Abu Dhabi to even invest a lot more in, in their cultural activities. I think it's so important. On the one hand, uh, you have something like uh, the Louvre Abu Dhabi, yeah, which is focusing on the world's culture. I think uh, Abu Dhabi has to focus a lot on its own identity, on its Arabic culture, yeah, not only reflecting what you find anywhere in the world as well, but focus on what you have and promote that and work on, on, on the creative spirit there. Speaking of, you mentioned, you mentioned events and the, you know, different kinds of events that organizations like this and like, like, like the Sheikh Zayed Book Award uh, and, and like the book fair can, can engage in uh, around the world. We're in the midst of a, of a pandemic that is uh, mm. having a, a huge impact. I don't have to tell you on, on people who organize uh, events uh, all around the world. How is and I know actually I, I watched um, uh, a presentation that was done of a, a sort of virtual um, announcement of the uh, uh, awards for 2020, um, where uh, you know there were various people involved with the prize who shot videos of themselves introducing the winners and things like that, and then the winners themselves shot videos that were then edited together, and it's quite it's quite charming. Uh, how has the prize been uh, adapting to to things uh, in, in addition to things like having a kind of virtual announcement? Um, has, has it changed the way you interact with people? Have you had meetings canceled and things like that? Uh, not actually. We, we put everything with the Sheikh Saeed. I want to put everything into 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 digital media, yeah. So it's easy to communicate, and actually, people now have learned yeah, uh, what uh, two years ago uh, people didn't like to to work with uh, uh, Zoom or Teams, yeah. And now it's there and it's going to stay. So some of our meetings are going to be easier. On the other hand. I sometimes believe these meetings can be very focused, but actually they are killing creativity somehow, yeah, because people are one-to-one, -one, like the two of us right now, focus on our topic. But what um, happens when people do meet um, um, somewhere, um, especially when I meet uh, my colleagues from the scientific committee, there are so many other things we are talking about, yeah, because we have the time to do so, and we are sitting... Um, Sometimes I'm sitting with two people, sometimes we are like 10 people. So this gives a completely different dimension. And I personally do, do miss that a much, uh, very much, and I hope I can travel soon again. Yeah, it's a, it's, an, it's a really interesting feature of the sort of literary world that although uh, writing is usually something that is done in solitude and, and reading is something that's done to sort of effectively in solitude. Um, you know, you might be in a library, but you're not allowed to talk. 
um, uh, to interrupt people, but in the literary community all around the world, getting getting together is a really important part of things that people do. So, you know, uh, poetry readings, poetry slams, but even award announcements and galas and things like that actually play a really big role. And in, in addition to, you know, the creativity that can happen in meetings, you know, when you're managing things or when you're, you're talking about, you know, if you're a writer's group writing a TV show or something like that, but actually getting people together is something that's really important. Yeah, I, I always liked the idea of the Hay Festival, where a remote little city, 70,000 people attend, yeah. And they put, had it virtual uh, uh, some time ago. And this had more than 70,000 people uh, watching. And I, as I understand, I read about it, that it was a different audience, yeah. So actually, what's going to happen next is probably a combination out of virtual and face-to-face -face meetings, yeah, especially in cultural circles. I don't think one can replace the other anymore, yeah. But it has to be this combination. And um, this is just a very general question that I probably should have asked earlier, but what's the literary scene like in the, in the Arab world in, in 2020? I, I don't think there's something like the Arab world. Yeah? Right. I think right. every, every region does really have um, um, a, a different, uh, a completely different situation. If you see a mega city like, like uh, uh, Cairo, it does have a very lively scene. Yeah? Yeah? Uh, and uh, in the United Arab Arabs, United Arab Emirates has <laughs> quite some support for the literary scene. Yeah, so there are festivals, well-organized festivals. Yeah, on other areas you seem very chaotic, but also you see a lot of uh, blocks. Yeah, you see a lot of in activities on the internet, and and that's what I really like. I think people who decide um, to spend their life as literature can be very engaged. Yeah, there's uh, actually there's a lot of motivation behind it. And they find many, many ways to reach their audience. And this is what I'm seeing in the Middle East, yeah, because uh, this is a, a, a very young uh, um, literary scene. Yeah? It's young people. Yeah? It's people, actually, I met people uh, 16 years old starting to write. Yeah? And there's no formal training right now, though they have to learn from others. So they have to attend festivals. Yeah? And an academic education does not always help creativity. So, but it's uh, good if you form circles, if you meet other people and exchange ideas. Yeah, thank you for challenging me on that Arab world formulation. <laughs> it's far yeah. too, far too, far too broad and, and sort of lazy shorthand um, for a place that's obviously, uh, you know, um, very diverse. Um, and with with respect to that, um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about censorship. Do people, do young people in that part of the world, like not or in various parts of that world, are there places where people are? more concerned about um, state reprisal for writing and publishing the wrong thing than others? You can find this all over the world. And actually I thought um, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but you see what's happening right now. Uh, you can look into, into Hong Kong. You can look in, into what's happening in Brazil right now. Yeah, you can look into the United States. Uh, you find uh, very sublime uh, censorship all over. Sometimes it's not even sublime. Yeah, It's very obviously... Yeah, that things are getting getting censored. Yeah, I had this experience. Uh, actually, censorship meant that uh, publishers didn't get any paper to print on. Yeah, so you could control what's going to be published. Yeah, and and, and there are so many ways of of um, of censorship, of influencing people, of threatening people, and this is getting worse every year. And um, on that note, what do you think that people who care about it but aren't necessarily a part of the literary community can do? Uh, to help um, contest these changes that we do see, unfortunately, happening in lots of different places. 
Yeah, uh, on the one hand, create visibility. Uh, on the other hand, we also are part of a program um, uh, where we um, give shelter to authors, yeah, which cannot live in their home home country. Yeah, um, we hired Asli Erdogan for two years here in Frankfurt, together with the city of Frankfurt. It's an icon. It's it's a, a network of literary institutions. Actually, we have to protect these people. Yeah, and we have to. Uh, actually uh, give them, find a way that they can live without this pressure. And on the other hand, some people cannot leave their country. So we have to create visibility, whether they are in prison or whether they are, are threatened with prison. Doesn't matter. Yeah, We have to speak up all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm working very closely with the IPA, the International Publisher Association. We had a phone call uh, uh, last night on the Prix Voltaire. Yeah? So give awards to these people. Yeah, Actually make them visible. Yeah, so drawing attention to people who are being uh, persecuted or even threatened or even yeah. op operating under the sort of um, just vague possibility of this this happening mm -hmm. is is the right thing to do. Um, the uh, one really uh, important, I think, COVID related question is is funding uh, and particularly government funding. A lot of countries do spend money on the arts, um, and a lot of countries are perhaps thinking about how they want to. They're you know scrambling to get through the current moment. But going forward, I know particularly here in Canada, there's a lot of concern about what arts funding is going to look like, you know, a year from now or two years from now. If, you know, if we go through a prolonged recession, is there going to be money for the arts? How do you see governments in the Middle East responding with respect to arts funding? I think it's a different situation as it is here in Europe. Yeah, In Europe, uh, you, have, you have always had these many state-funded projects, yeah? I think in the Middle East, um, actually, they are only about to build it up. Yeah, there's an idea of an Arab language in institute yeah, to promote the language. This will also um, create more visibility for authors uh, and and for other artists as well. But there's there's a long way to go actually in in this region actually to have this sort of state funded or structural um, funding of of culture. I just received a newsletter from. Um, uh, about what's going to happen in Germany right now, yeah. So we're getting a reduced VAT, um, and uh, there will be a support of um, uh, 25 uh, billion euros actually for uh, cultural institutions, yeah, in in the, in the year to come. And uh, so there are many many different things, and this is not happening uh, in in many places in the world. Uh, as someone who sells books to people in Germany every day, um, when you say reduced VAT, uh, do you mean the, the high-level VAT or the VAT that's charged on other, just on specific products? No, actually, we do have, for books, we have 7% VAT in Germany. For the rest, we do have 19%. And now 19%, as far as I know, are going down to 16 And for books, I expect them to go from 7 to 5%. Yeah. And this does help, really. This does help bookstores, everybody in the value chain, actually. Oh, oh, yes. It makes it makes a great it makes a great deal of difference um, to to people. Um, and yeah, actually, there have been countries that I'm, I'm sure you know that, for example, like the UK just recently announced that you know on May first that that the bat on ebooks would go down to zero. Um, and uh, you know, there are a lot of changes like that happening. And I think I think a lot of this kind of stuff is being driven by you know in when where there are governments that do appreciate the value of culture and education and uh the um importance of funding them well but also making things more affordable for people down the line 
this actually is a moment where some people are taking advantage of it to do what Amina, people like you and me would probably naturally see as positive things. Yeah, and actually you think of bookstores now, they had to close uh, for a few weeks in Germany. Um, revenues, I think in, in March, went down by 30%. Yeah, but uh, the booksellers have been very active, especially the independent ones. Um, so my, my small bookstore next door, they always send somebody with on a bicycle actually to deliver whatever I ordered the other day, which was very nice to see. And now actually you expect um, actually um, only minus 4% by the end of the year. Yeah. So, so, um, so people really having lost 30% in one month and now we are recovering already. So there's this need for culture. And I've read about a study in Spain, actually, where, where they've been seeing during the crisis, a lot of younger people started buying books, which might have to do uh, with the accessibility. So people use a lot more uh, electronic ordering system and young people like to uh, order with Amazon. I don't know. Maybe that's an explanation for that. Yeah. But uh, I like to more the explanation that uh, people have seen too many live streams, actually. <laughs> And they want some downtime with a with a decent book, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, my 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 pub table theory about about uh, the uptick in reading that I've read about is that amongst these sort of younger people also is that they, they just don't have as much time to spend with their friends nowadays. If you yeah. if you know, and and then they and they actually have um, a lot more time on their hands because they maybe haven't had to go to school and things like that. And as you say, you know even the most avid Netflix watcher and, and video gamer probably at a certain point wants to sort of do something else. And that, that something else might be reading a book. Yeah, actually I have a 19 year old son at home right now. He's back at home because his university closed. And I think uh, he likes moving images, but I found him yesterday reading a Nietzsche biography, which surprised <laughs> it really surprised me. Uh, yeah, reading a Nietzsche biography is <laughs> you're not looking for a sort of uplifting story. Oh, not really. So I wonder whether this is a symptom of COVID as well, but uh, he liked it. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's that's wonderful. Um, uh, is there anything that you'd like to take the opportunity to talk about um, with respect to the, the Sheikh Zayed Book Award or literary prizes in general or, uh, you know, the changes that we're seeing happening right now? Um, that I haven't asked you about. No, actually, I only want to, would like to mention once more the motivation uh, behind this this award. Yeah, and actually, um, um, it's one of the most well-funded awards in the world. So it really puts an emphasis. Um, also, um, that um, the finalists, the winners, uh, really um, can feel uh, very honored. And I think that sometimes. Um, doesn't happen in, in literary or cultural circles. Uh, if you see how much money goes into a lot of other institutions, but to award, um, uh, we have the Nobel Prize on the one hand, but actually there, it's uh, with the Sheikh Sada what you have a wider, wider um, outreach, yeah, because it can be a lot of different people, and also, especially also um, in the academic community and for translators, where do uh, translators get get an award ever, yeah, which has uh, um, such an outreach. Yeah, I can say having had personal experience being on the uh, announcement side of the call to an author who won a major award, um, mm -hmm. 
it's it's just a wonderful experience for them and for and for everyone involved in in yeah. in offering the award um it's exciting and wonderful and meaningful and it transforms their life forever uh because now it's it's you know kind of their it's in their it's in their bio and it's yeah. something they carry around yeah 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 and this is so important and sort of these people really are encouraged to work further on on in their field yeah with yeah. children books yeah that's not a tradition of children books really in the middle east and now people are so excited that they're getting this award and, and now we see a lot of more books coming out yeah there are so many initiatives translation funding uh, uh all over uh, uh the middle east now for children books yeah completely different focus yeah that's uh that's wonderful news and i'm glad to to end uh the interview on a positive note um <laughs> thank you very much jürgen for taking some time out of your day to uh talk to us and to talk to our audience about the sheikh zayed book award there will be a full transcription of this online with links and everything like that as well for everyone to follow so they can learn more and yes thanks again for uh being a guest on the episode yeah thank you so much then. thanks very much and thanks, as always, to all of you for listening to this episode of the Front Matter podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate and review it wherever you found it. And if you'd like to try being a LeanPub author, please check out our website at leanpub.com. Thanks.